Welcome to another episode of This Week in Legal Blogging, uh, in which we talk with leading bloggers from across the legal industry. My name is Bob Ambrogi. I am the host of the program. I write the blog Law Sites and also have the podcast Law Next. And this program is presented by Lex Blog. A reminder that this show uh, is a continuing series in which you can find all of our back episodes on YouTube at youtube.com slash lexblog. We are a podcast as well, and you can uh, find us wherever fine podcasts are sold, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, we are very happy to have with us today Sandra Edelman, who is a partner at Dorsey & Whitney, uh, where she advises clients on trademarks, copyrights, unfair competition, and advertising law. And she is also the co-creator and co-author of Dorsey's IP blog, the TMC of the program. Thank you, Bob, and thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure, and uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, it, look, it looks like you're probably working from home, as, as the rest <laughs> of us in the world are, right? I'm in my Kent, Connecticut house, not my Dorsey, New York office, yes. <laughs> very, very nice. Good. Um so I, I, I have to I have to ask whether uh, s- somewhere uh, floating around Dorsey there is a uh, TMCA uh, knockoff video parodying the Village People uh, YMCA song with with all of your cast of editors dancing in uh, different costumes. No, but when when we did try to brand, come up with brand names for our blog, it was viewed as a play on the DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright <laughs> Act. So that was the uh, the name origin for the blog. Uh, okay, not not quite as sexy probably as the YMCA, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll we'll go with the, it's probably a little more appropriate though. Um, so. I, the the blog, uh, looking back through it uh, in, in anticipation of speaking to you today, and it looks to me like you guys got started around 2015. And um, what was the what was the thinking? What what why did you want to start this blog? Uh, and what was the motivation to get it going? Um, I actually wasn't the initiating uh, driving force. It was another partner who had joined Dorsey maybe a year or two before that, Mike Keys, in our Seattle office. And he said, let's do a blog. Like, let's put on a show. Like it was, you know, Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. And my first reaction was, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like way too much work. And I know that really good blogs take a lot of work. But he said, let's do something new. It was a good way to get our name out there and to keep current with the law and actually involve associates in business and marketing because they could help write. Yeah. Was it, was it, was there anything going on in particular at that point that you thought would made it a good time to start the blog? I mean, were you in transition in any way or your practice changing or anything like that or? Nope. It was just time for a change. I had been used to writing much longer pieces actually for the trademark reporter, which is a premier trademark publication published by the international trademark association. And those take like months, you know, have a hundred footnotes and I was like tired of that effort, had really published a, num- a number of those types of research intensive articles. And I said, let me do something shorter. I do like to write and I have always liked to write. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you uh, got your feet wet with that kind of writing. How, how does it compare for you? How does it compare writing blog posts to writing those longer, more scholarly type articles? scholarly articles can be very rewarding when they come out. When you're writing them, you're like, why did I ever volunteer to do this? Um, And there's a lot of site checking and footnoting and everything. Um, So I really like the uh, flexibility and freedom that a blog affords in a number of ways. If you want to write about a case, 
you actually don't have to write about the whole case. You can just write about what interests you in that case um, and say, oh, there were other issues, but I'm going to just deal with this. And obviously, you can be much funnier and lighter and punchier in a blog if that's your personality. Um, and many of us do take that opportunity. And no footnotes required. Uh, no, in fact, we do get some of the people in my firm uh, who we actually ask to contribute, they'll put a footnote and we're like, no footnotes in the blog. Like there's no crying in baseball. Uh, anyway, just no footnotes in the blog. Right. How, how does the, again, I realize this is going back a few years, but how did the engagement uh, with readers compare from the, the, the longer articles with the footnotes and all of that versus the blog post. Did you see a difference in, in, in that? Not really. I mean, the longer articles, sometimes my colleagues in the bar would say, great job. One of my articles actually won an award. I was actually proud of that. Or I, I would get a call from somebody at the United States Patent and Trademark Office, which is really rewarding about how much they liked it. But really, um, just friends and colleagues will, will get a joke in the blog or think something is funny, will reach out. So it's a much more sporadic contact. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's been kind of speculation or, or some people are of the opinion that blogging in some ways has replaced sort of the traditional law review, which of course it hasn't entirely, but uh, many blogs have become more scholarly in a sense. Uh, you know, you get more of these academic blogs out there and that sort of thing. But I, I think also, I, I don't know, it, it, to me, it does, it does seem like blogs often reach a wider audience uh, than a, a more traditional article would. And, and that's, I would think that's a good thing, but I don't know. Do you, do you have any sense of that? Have you experienced that at all? Or? I mean, I mean, we get, we get published. We have only a very limited number of subscribers, but most of the people who read our blog are, they'll see it on LinkedIn or an author will post it on their Facebook page. Uh, we rely on sometimes JD Supra. So yeah, people see it from a variety of sources. And I would say, yes, they're not law review articles, but when I'm doing research on something, I will do an internet Google search. And if it's a good law, for, if I haven't written about something, uh, which is why I'm doing the research, you know, there are law firms I trust. I think their quality is good. And if I see something under their law firm name, I know it's reliable and I will get a good overview of the issue I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, so it, it looked... Uh, I, I, I clearly now, well, maybe you can talk about this. Well, f first of all, I did want to actually mention as an aside, you mentioned that your previous writing won you an award. The blog has also won recognition in awards, right? Uh, yes, we were nicely ranked as a, that by the ABA um, for law blogs, and we were proud of that too. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. Um, but but it looks like to me like the blog has evolved in terms of who's writing for it and, and uh, the numbers of people writing for it. Uh, am I... Correct in that? Can you talk about how, how that works? Well, after first saying, no, I don't want to do this yeah. <laughs> because it was too much work, but I'm usually open to be persuaded. And so uh, my then colleague, Mike Keyes, and I, we decided we would be co-editors and I, we would be responsible for editing all the pieces and the quality control that would percolate up from the other authors. And But we would also have two co-managers and my, they were uh, and still are, Forrest Undergee and uh, Charlene Crow. Uh, two of my partners in the group, and they actually um, make sure they set a schedule. Uh, we we got a lot of people to write, like 20, 25 authors throughout our firm. 
We have a schedule. People are on for twice a year. Charlene and Farah write these people and saying, are you ready? You know, your, your article's on for next week. We'd like to see a draft. And if you need a switch, please work it out. But they keep the blog running. And now um, my co-editor um, uh, is um, also a Seattle partner named Stefan Spider. And I'm just very happy to work with him as well. And it's a good way of actually working with people across the Dorsey platform. Yeah. So, so 25 or so people writing twice a year. So roughly every week you're publishing something. And then are you as co-editor involved, hands-on in all of those articles, reviewing those? Um, well, I split them with my co-editor yeah. and depending on our area specialty and time. And I also like to write, I haven't written as much this year as I have in prior years, but you know, what are you been doing with yourself all year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, if I see something that amuses me or I think is really important to get out there, um, I will write too. But yes, you know, and the, the articles require a variety of involvement as in the editing stage. Sometimes we're we're getting written. Uh, authors are in the trademark group and they know what they're talking about. In the other instances, sometimes there are, we have people who are patent lawyers or other specialties. And to their credit, they really want to write about a really interesting trademark case or write a publicity. But I'll, I'll really make sure to read that very closely to make sure something I know that they don't know needs to be said. Yeah. So uh, what what's that editing process like? I mean, are, are they it sounds like in some cases they're just getting the stuff in a week or so before it's going to publish. And then you do a review at that point and go go around on it and Right. Just a red line. And then we ask them, you know, to embed uh, like the PDFs of the original court decision. So there's a lot of pieces that um, and many of them send me articles without a title. This is like a big pet peeve because the titles are important. Yeah. And that's what grabs people. And they're like, oh, I don't know what to call it. You come up with something. And I really wish they would. Uh, and of course, some people do come up with their own creative titles. And then I guess if you're involved with blogging, you know, you want to be amusing, but I think the titles come up in searches. And so you can't be too opaque about what this blog is about right. or too off the wall in terms of a pun. You really maybe have a pun, but then actually say, you know, recent licensing decision in the Second Circuit. Like you're going to have right. to say something so people will find it. Right. That's actually a pet peeve of mine. I'm glad you said that. I mean, I, because I, I so often see blogs um posts where they are trying so hard to be clever that that the headline you read the the title of the blog post and you have no idea what this blog post is about it you know it's got to be clever because there's a clever title there but it doesn't tell you as a reader that you want to stop what you're doing and go in and read that post yeah the subtitle after the colon very important if you want to be clever. yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I agree with that um how so that, i mean that's that's really interesting to me because it's it's really kind of a it's it's a production. It's a management job, as you say. Do you have managers to help manage it? I, I mean, I have my own blog. I write when I want to, and I don't write when I don't want to, uh, and I don't have to go through anybody. Um, how do you how do you manage the um, the topics? I mean, how do you decide who's going to write about what and what topics are going to get written about? Is it pretty much just up to the people who are due to submit something to come up with something that they want to write about? Yes, we do actually rely in the first instance because we want the person to write about something that interests them. Yeah. I would say every one out of six or seven authors say, I don't know what to write about. Again, that's where my job comes in. And I have to say every day I read a number of law blogs like Law 360, um, the BNA. I'm always collecting cases and I put it in my blog file 
for when people say, I don't know what to write about. Uh, but, so that I'll always have some ready ideas as to what's, what's good. And occasionally, just so you know, like we watch what's on the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court docket every year. If there's a trademark or copyright decision, we're aware of it, that the Supreme Court has granted cert. We have appointed people in advance. Please follow this case. Please follow the oral argument. And on the day the decision is rendered, which we all know is likely to be, you know, maybe towards the end of the term, we're going to want you to write. And we're going to want you to write in 24 hours. So please be up on this. So we do anticipate certain things that we want to write about. Yeah. Are there what are, what are other are there other besides Supreme Court decisions? Are there other things that you just know or must have that you have to get in there if, if it's going to come down? Not really. I mean, as I said, I really do watch. I mean, because of I'm practicing almost 40 years now and that, you know, when I see a case in the Second or the Ninth Circuit, that's important. Like just recently, there was an interesting Ninth Circuit decision about what constitutes a counterfeit mark. And I'm like, this was important because it's something that comes up in litigation and it was really worth writing about. So sometimes we'll do that. I'll see it. And I'm like, I really want this written about who's got time if I don't have time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real, I mean, you really are functioning as an editor, looking out for topics that should be written about and uh, keeping on top of stuff yourself to make sure what should be getting written about, what should, what's, what's happening out there is getting covered in some way. Um, what is the, um, this is a, a firm-sponsored blog, and I don't know, does the firm have other blogs as well? I it does. It has actually a securities law blog, which is very well regarded. I think we have a labor one, uh, Quirky Questions. Um, so we have a few blogs that are actually very well done, and um, so I'm proud to be in their company, and they were sort of the model for me. There were some other people at the firm who started up a blog, and they're like, I don't know, they have one article every six months. To me, that's not really a blog. I mean, I'm right. not saying you have to publish every day, but it should be regular. If you go onto yeah. a blog on an active area of law and somebody hasn't published in a month or two, that to me is not a real blog. But the firm, I would say right around that time in 2015, they were encouraging people to get more engaged with social media and digital publishing. So we definitely had firm support to do it. Yeah. And do, do they? does the firm support the blog in ways other than obviously they pay for it? But uh, I mean, other than that, are they helping to promote it and get the word out around it or, or distribute posts? Or I think they do. I think they share it on social media when they can. Uh, we actually asked the firm, we, we updated our logo because it looked kind of a little bit cheesy uh, at first. We said, you know, we have a successful blog. Can't you pay for some better graphics? So they did. Um, anyway, other than that, no, they really kind of depend on us. Um, but they value it. I think for people who start work actively on the blog, it's it's valued at the firm. Yeah. What about those, the people who write for it or, or you as editors and the, the other two people who are managers, are they, are you all involved in trying to promote it or get the word out about it? Or do you get out on Twitter or social media at all? We could do more. And some people do. I personally don't like once I write, I'm like, I let, I let it go. <laughs> if somebody else wants to promote it, that's up to them. Um, I, I always share every blog post on the TMCA on my uh, LinkedIn, I will, and we encourage everybody because that's where we get a lot of our readership. So yes, yeah. we do encourage everyone to share on LinkedIn. Yeah, um, yeah, I get I get a lot of readership off of LinkedIn. Although still, for me, Twitter is still uh, number one in terms of driving readership to my blog. Um, the who are you writing this blog for? Who is who do you see as the audience for the blog? Um. Lawyers, especially in-house, you know, a lot of in-house lawyers 
who some many of them used to work at firms and they would get all these publications on a daily basis and or they would serve on, you know, when a firm encourages people to serve on committees or go to conferences. I think a lot of them actually are hungry to make sure that they are keeping up. So they'll subscribe or, you know, they'll get the email um, and uh, they will read it and keep up on things. And um, and then clients, potential clients, they like to see that you're active in the area, that you're not just resting on your laurels, that you right. you keep yourself current. Um, so it's mostly lawyers. I don't know that business people are reading it. Yeah. So, well, when we say clients, you would mean business people, though. Uh, it's a lot of in-house counsel. Oh, yeah. Okay. A lot of in-house counsel. Uh, and do you know, uh, I mean, do you get feedback at all from readers or do you hear from readers at all? Do you engage with them in any way around the blog? Uh, I have a couple of friends who write me about it, but those are more friends, not strangers. I do. We sometimes do look at the metrics and we have very incomplete metrics, I have to tell you. So uh, because there's all sorts of ways that get shared that we're not always counting. But, you know, I'll feel really good, you know, all right. If I get 500 reads, I'm like, all right, that's kind of interesting. But if I write something and it gets a few thousand, I'll feel really good. And then yeah. somebody from my firm wrote about the the, the music group Fish. I don't know, got like 10,000 hits. I don't know. It must have gotten <laughs> distributed on some Fish fan site or something. So right. we do have a little bit of a competition about like how many how many reads do you get per article? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. If you if you can include also just including words like that in a post is going to and dri just drive Google Google hits to your uh, blog. Sometimes I'm not I'm not suggesting you should uh, uh, gratuitously throw in references to fish in all your blog posts. But but uh, if if you could throw in a few Hollywood stars now and then or something, it definitely helps. Um, no, well, but. That's one yeah. of the reasons why the blog is in this area. I'm not to put down other areas of law, but you know, the trademark copyright and advertising, we deal with a lot of celebrities um, and famous personages. And so it's fun to write about them and they do get attention. Yeah. Do you have any, have you ever had any, any, I mean, other than uh, the one, the mention of fish, are there any blog posts that have of, of, of your own or perhaps that have been particular favorites of yours that you or that have gotten an unexpected response or anything like that? I have one blog post I really like and I called it Diamonds Are Forever but not your advertising claim because it had to do <laughs> with, uh, you know, that you have to update advertising claims when uh, the testing of the product is now obsolete. And it's something I've had to send to a lot of clients who say, you know, I, I, I have this advertising but then the other side changed their product. Do I have to do anything about the claim? And I'm like, Yes, it's your job to do it. Um, so that was something I really liked um, and has been uh, continually of use to me in my practice. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious with uh, all those people writing for the blog, do you have anything like a style sheet or do you try and be consistent in any way or have you talked about that at all? We have done tips to write an effective blog. Many people really don't need it. They read other blogs. They see what works. But we do say, you know, don't write it. This is not a case note at a law review and don't cover the whole case and don't write out like why write out a, a case citation when you can just embed the case. You know, people will right. want it and don't do footnotes. So we do try to say, you know, have a conversational tone. Don't be overly formal and do try to get to the point in the first paragraph. Yeah. And. And humor is okay. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm a quality control. Make sure that it doesn't go over the line. But I actually have not had a problem with that. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you haven't. Um, and and uh, what I didn't ask. I meant to ask you this way at the outset. But in terms of your own practice, what is your the focus of your practice uh, in particular? I do primarily trademarks and advertising, and that's everything from counseling to enforcement. Um, I started my career as a litigator um, in those two areas. Um, also, I do some copyright law, not as much as I used to. So, primarily trademarks and advertising. And so, you know, I do a lot of counseling, keeping clients out of trouble. When they alert me about somebody else who's troubling them, I can advise them about whether they want to take action. So I have a counseling and enforcement practice in those two areas, plus advertising substantiation, false advertising claims, things like that. Yeah. Has there been anything uh, about that practice that has been um, – have there been any issues that have come up in your practice that have been unique to the uh, – the situation of the, the past eight months to the to the pandemic. I mean, how is the the the, the pandemic in any? Have there been any implications for trademark and advertising law uh, out of all of this? I mean, there have been. There have been clients who want to do cause marketing or support heroes and frontline responders. We'll get asked about that. Uh, I'll have clients who actually make products, not obviously vaccines, but they're making consumer products that are maybe cleansers or things like that. And, you know, making sure they're maybe, um, you know, capitalizing on the demand for their products without being exploitive about it and being accurate. Yeah. Um, do you, I think you, you alluded uh, earlier to a couple of the sources. Do you, do you read other blogs in this area? And uh, how do you, how do you, what are you reading to keep up with, the, the law. You mentioned Law 360, I think, earlier, but what else are you looking at? Yeah, and um, the BNA reports. Um, the TTAB blog is a good blog. Um, uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's really more when I um, when I need to do research um, and I see that there's some good blog posts. And as I said, I keep track of other firms who I think have good blogs and and uh, lawyers I respect, and I will read those, but I don't, not on a daily basis. Yeah. You said that when you you know, I don't think I, whoever the partner was who first came to you uh, five years ago uh, and uh, said we ought to do this blog, and you, you were a little bit uh, skeptical at first, I guess. Uh, what do you think now, <laughs> five years later? Yeah, I'm really glad I do it. As I said, it's really important to me to keep up on the law, and I went from. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with the trademark reporter and the International Trademark Association, I was on that editorial board for like a decade or more, then became like an articles editor, and then I became the editor in chief. And that was a two year stint. And I read every article we published and had to edit it. And boy, did I keep up on what was going on. And it really benefits yeah. your practice. So once I stopped doing that actively, I really feel like writing this blog keeps me current because if I haven't read about it, you know, somebody submits an article for me on a weekly basis that I may, you know, and it'll discipline me sometimes to read the case. Like maybe I read about the case, but yeah. I didn't read the case itself. But in order to edit their piece appropriately, I will generally feel like I need to read the underlying case and make sure it's been accurately portrayed. So it's, it's good discipline for me. And I, I am proud of keeping up on the law. Yeah. A anybody who's watched the show any number of times has probably heard me say before, and I've heard any, any number of other bloggers say, 
that I, I really believe that blogging makes you smarter in, in that it forces you into that discipline of keeping up with whatever the area is that you're blogging about. There's the panic factor in part that, you know, so you, you start a blog and like you're, oh, oh my God, what am I going to write about next week uh, and the week after that and the week after that? Uh, but I, I think it's a really great exercise uh, in that it does just and, – and then you develop the sources that help you do that as well. So um, so uh, are you uh, planning to, to keep at it for a while longer or, or what, do you, what are you thinking? I think so. You know, Knowing that I was um, going to be interviewed for this, I did have to say, how long ago did we start this blog? And I saw what you did, which was late 2015. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. September 2015. It's your fifth <laughs> – Fifth birthday. Uh, yeah, we actually birthday. had a what I'd call a soft launch. We just wanted to see how they oh, okay. looked, um, and then I would say by the beginning of 2016. But yes, it is the we have had the fifth. I can't believe that we've kept this going for five years. But yeah, I'm fairly committed to it, so long as we can keep our authors, um, you know, a stable of authors, uh, you know, and as people lose interest or they leave the firm, new people join. And you know, one thing I've told associates is that it's an opportunity to work with a partner that they might not have otherwise interacted with. And, you know, there was an associate in the New York office who I have not worked with. And he wrote this blog. It was on a very complicated, I think, fair use topic or a parody. It was about parody. And he wrote this excellent piece on a very complicated decision. And it was really well written. And I'm like, wow, this is somebody I want to work with because he didn't know anything about this and it didn't need a lot of editing and he really mastered it. So, it's kind of in their interest if they're willing to put in the time to for their career development. That's a great point. Um, and and you mentioned earlier that you had this this sort of tips tips for bloggers uh, that you for bloggers who are contributing to your blog. Um, do you have any tips more generally? I mean, any advice to others who are starting out uh, on the road to blogging at this point? What what have you learned about it? I think if it's a law blog. I mean, as opposed to other types of blogs yeah. that that's our focus uh, here. Yeah, that you really should be trying to be informative. So don't lose sight of being the informative through the uh, cleverness. Although I would say one exception, my original co-editor, Mike Keys, wrote a very funny and he's very creative blog post about a Dr. Seuss case. And he wrote it in Dr. Seuss type rhyming and it was a very popular post but you got the point um but anyway make sure that you're informing and not just being funny plus some people will just take an here's another pet peeve they'll they'll want to write about the filing of a case not the decision in the case that a case was filed and i'm like well that's not such a big deal and just because you file claims in a court doesn't mean you're going to prevail on them so i really try to tell them don't write about the filing of a case unless the the fact of the filing is notable but if it's not, then I don't, you know, the other side hasn't answered, a judge hasn't ruled on it. And so what am I writing about? Um, you know, nothing. So I, I tried to take, have people stay away from that type of post. Yeah, that that's another great point. I mean, I, I was formerly the editor of some legal, various legal newspapers and, and you would, you know, you so often see the stories about so-and-so, you know, filed a $500 million complaint against some company. Like, well, so what? You can put any dollar amount you want in there. Right. right. Three months later, it was dismissed. <laughs> right. Like, so did it really mean anything? No. Right. Right. Uh, but as you say, sometimes sometimes it can be notable if it's there's something unique uh, or, uh, or perhaps potentially precedent setting around it. But one thing we try to do is to get people to agree to follow a case. Not, not every little development talk about like what's not interesting, but, um, 
we wrote about this. I don't know if you're familiar with the five points graffiti case about whether this artwork graffiti on a, a building wall in New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was in Brooklyn was protected art under the VARA Act, uh, Visual Artist Rights Act. And, you know, we followed this case from the district court, you know, that was protecting this piece of art. And it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And we kept following it. And, you know, if the person is willing, they become like educated on it. And that's actually another point I want to make. Um, not only can they become an expert in that case, um, sometimes people will write a blog post for my blog, for the TMCA, and then they will use it as the platform to speak to the media about the case, if it's mm -hmm. a media attention case, because they'll have just written about it. So they're up to speed on the decision. The reporter will find them as a result of doing an internet search about who knows about this case that happens to be newsworthy. And then it's like two bangs for the buck. Not only did they write a blog post, but they got interviewed on a local TV channel or a national TV channel or a national media publication about the same thing they blogged about. So it's perfect. Right. And then they're getting asked by the local bar to come in and give a talk on the same subject or yeah. something, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's part of the power of blogging. I think it, 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 that's part of the viral effect of, of blogging and why it's why it can be so powerful. Uh, well, any any other words of advice? I've been asking you lots of questions. Anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up here? Um, I would say, you know, I'm appreciative to my firm. I mean, one of the things I've heard about in the legal industry, not all law firms are, uh, as a corporate matter, supportive of blogs. They're very nervous about what's going to be written about. And if they're going to ask to, like, preview content and then they're going to sit on it until it's no longer newsworthy, it's going to be a problem. And so, you know, um, my firm you know, gives us certain standards um, and uh, they trust us to write about things that will not get the firm or any client in trouble. And so I appreciate that freedom. Uh, I think we um, have earned their trust, but yeah. it's uh, some firms are much more cautious. And I think that's yeah. too bad because I don't think you need to be that cautious about they're, it. They're, e they're either too cautious or they're too concerned about the marketing aspect. And then they've got the whole marketing department all messed up in the blog and no offense yeah. to marketing departments, but uh, they're, they're not always the best, uh, best people to be in charge of a legal blog. Uh, well, thank you very much, Sandy. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you and uh, congratulations on five years of, of blogging <laughs> and uh, check back with you in another five years. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you and the team. Yep. Well, thank you. Bye. And uh, that does it for this week. We are not going to be here next week because we're all going to be uh, sitting alone in our living rooms, eating turkey by ourselves, uh, pretending it's Thanksgiving. Uh, but we will be back the week after that. Uh, we're here every Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, our guest on that program is going to be have uh, uh, more on that in the, in the next program. Uh, so that does it for today's episode. Uh, again, this is Bob Ambrogi on behalf of everybody at Lex Blog. Thanks for watching and our listening, and see you next time. <laughs>